Well, uh, welcome to Actors and Ancestors, a show for Indigenous actors and anyone else who wants to learn. I'm your host, J.D. Moncrin. I'm a Rocky Cree actor from Treaty 6 and 10 territories. And if you want to know more about me and my land where I'm from, then just check out episode one, which is all about me. I am super, super excited today. My guest today is undoubtedly pound for pound the hardest hitter we will ever have on the show, I think. I've personally felt the arm cannons this person has, and let me tell you, they are locked, loaded, lethal, and it's quite possible the only thing that rivals their ability to stick and move in the boxing ring is their ability to stick and move in front of the camera from one emotional beat to the next. They're a powwow dancer, the first indigenous woman to have the title of world boxing champion, an advocate for the missing and murdered indigenous women's movement, a writer, and also an award-winning actress from their breakout role in Catch the Fair One, now a guest on my show because uh, they're just incredibly kind, the kind warrior, and probably by the time this airs, chief of their tribe, just because if they ever walked into the band office and said, I'm chief, now everyone would know it's good for them and just get the F out the way. <laughs> There's no stopping this person. Uh, it brings me such joy to have you here. Uh, can I ask you to tell me your name about your land and where your people are from? Absolutely. To Butney so much, Shady. When he kissed everyone and Tassoes, we couldn't know of Nutamas, he can't get what Banaak. Nutamas, Cape Verde Islands, Natai Providence, Rhode Island. Hello, greetings, everyone. My given name is Many Feathers, Many Talents, and I am from the Sikonke Wapana'ak tribe, tribal nation um, based in Massachusetts. I currently live in Philadelphia, but I am originally from Providence, Rhode Island. I, I've I've known you for a while now. It's been a while since we've managed to chat in person, but um, I got to come at you real quick with some something real hard here. The real questions off the bat. Uh, you are obsessed with eating peanut butter off the spoon, as I am. <laughs> yeah. So what What's your go to peanut butter? What What do you fall into there? Um, right now, what do I got in my cabinet? Right now, I got Skippy All Natural. I use I tend to go to the all natural kind of stuff you got to stir up, but um. Yeah, so I don't do chunky peanut butter all the time. It has to be like kind of once in a while, but I literally will stick a spoon. Peanut butter doesn't last at all in this house anymore because if I get some, the puppy gets one now. So, so I'm gonna share. <laughs> hey, what's your what's your puppy's name? Quincy Bones. Quincy Bones. Oh, yep. I love it. I love it. I, yep. I've, I've got a little a little cat myself. I think I've I've showed you pictures of her. Her name's a Wes. That means well, go away. That was... in <laughs> I'm insane. <laughs> I know I'm terrible like that. I mean, you and I, we've, we've known each other for a while. We met filming True Detective. And actually, one of one of my favorite lines in season one of, of True Detective was Matthew McConaughey's character, Rust. He was saying, life is barely long enough to get good at one thing. You got to be careful what you get good at. And I mean, you you've absolutely destroyed that statement. Um, with all of your accomplishments so far. I mean, your name is Many Feathers, Many Talents, um, and you're still relatively new on the acting scene, but you've been so successful right out the gate. I mean, you're an incredibly accomplished boxer as well, world champ, badass. Um, can you tell me uh, what got you started in your boxing career and how you made that switch into acting and what parallels you found between the two? Yeah, absolutely. That's an awesome question. Um, 
I mean, I'm, I've always been a, such a sporty kid and growing up the youngest of five with two older brothers, two older sisters and two older brothers that loved sports and basketball and a little girl that was not anything like her mother, a girly ballet. I just wanted to play with the boy. <laughs> um, I just was always in the sports, always out sporty as a kid. As you mentioned, I did. I used to dance at Pow Wow's Fancy Dance. So as we know, Fancy dances do the fastest beat ever and it's full of energy. <laughs> I was just one of those kids that really needs to be expressive. But nobody boxed in my family. So it was one of those things that kind of found me. I played basketball, softball, but it was just something about the solo aspect of boxing that really intrigued me. And like, you know, quite frankly, fighting. And to kind of give you a little bit more history about my tribe, uh, from the Sikonke clan or the Black Goose clan of the Wampanoag Nation, there's like, I gotta say, nine different bands or clans um, in the Wampanoag Nation. I come from Sikonke or Sikonk. And our, our warrior uh, was basically a war chief to one of the, the baddest sachems or um, chiefs in the Wampanoag history, Osamiqua and Yellowfeather. He had a son named King Philip, uh, met a comet, and uh, they both had the same war chief named Anawan, and he served Metacom's father, Osamiqua, and then when Osamiqua um, passed on, uh, he served uh, King Philip and um, was a huge part of King Philip's war. You guys can look that up. It's one of the biggest and most bloodiest wars on American soil. Uh, we almost lost all of our people. And at the end of the war, Anawan was given the area of Seekonk, Massachusetts, and that's where we come from. So my fighting spirit is kind of, and that's the exact lineage that I come from, that I come from my line down right from Anawan himself. So it kind of made sense that boxing kind of found me in some kind of battle-oriented um, activity. Um, so, you know, me, I, my first fights were like in the street. I was never a confrontational kid, but I also didn't grow up on a reservation or anywhere where it was you know, I was a minority. I grew up in, um, you know, not the best neighborhood and I was the only native kid around. So I had to do a lot of, a lot of leave me alone fights. So I found boxing around the age of 12, 13 from a friend of my mom's. Um, he's in, from the Narragansett tribe. Um, I kind of got wind of, he was a fighter back in the day. So I used to bother him at powwows when he was making, I just Julie stayed as Wampum Julie stand like, come on, man, teach me some moves down everything. And he was like, blow me off, blow me off. Finally convinced him to come to the house. He hung a bag, taught me a couple of things. And months later, my father actually came back up to Rhode Island. He moved back up to Rhode Island and he brought me to Peter Manfredo's gym. And from then on, it was quote unquote, quote, uh, cliche, uh, love at first punch, I guess you could say. And my first fight, you would think, you know, some fairy tale story like, yeah, I did great. I knocked the girl out. No, I got my ass handed to me and I wanted to know <laughs> either do I take a hard left? And go, you know what, this isn't for me. Or do I take a hard right and go, you know what, how do you make that not ever happen again? You know, um, my mom named me mm -hmm. right, many feathers, many talents, and I'm a OCD Virgo. Um, work ethic is engraved in there and don't stop until you get it right kind of a thing. So I took that hard right and I just wanted to learn and I just got better and better. And from, you know, my childhood wasn't that great. I had a couple of things that happened that kind of put me over the edge. My dad leaving. I'm kind of mm -hmm. not knowing my footing as far as being mixed Cape Verdean or Black and Indigenous or Native American. Um, so it was just something that was calling to me. And the solo aspect of boxing, basically, you know, when you're on a team, a baseball team, basketball team, if you're having a bad day, um, you can have a sub. But there's no subbing anybody in, in boxing. It's You have to do your work. It's very self-accountable. Um, so mm -hmm. I just kind of just fell in love with it. And I didn't have these huge aspirations of being a world champion as of yet. I really didn't understand my purpose. I just knew I liked it and I was getting good at it and I got to fight. So um, the rest is history, man. I um, 
<laughs> made my way through the made my way through the amateur ranks. Um, I didn't have too much amateur background due to number one, um, Olympics women who weren't in the Olympics up until 2012. Number two, I didn't have the funds to travel to all these tournaments. Number three, fr- quite frankly, I don't have an amateur style, so I went pro and kind of just scratched and clawed my way to where I am now. And as far as finding acting, again, it kind of found me. Um. You know, I'm, I come from a very musically inclined family. Everybody either sings, plays an instrument, or both. Um, I played the violin since I was nine. My father was on tour with Mark and Mark and the Funky Bunch. Like, we just are very musically inclined. That's incredible. I did not know that about you. Yeah, man, I'm showing my age. I'll show you if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those things that kind of just um, happened. And um, I've always been interested in acting, but, you know, I've, always been part of like church play productions and my mom my grandmother was in you know, a bunch of theater um things too i just didn't know where to start like anybody else and by that time around 2015 2016 you know i really started getting the bug but i'm like i don't really know how to how do you start this thing like when do i get a cameo in like a gatorade for the commercial i have no idea you know i don't know anybody i don't i wasn't like out auditioning or anything um i actually got approached by the director of Catch the Fair One, Joseph Kubota Vladika, on Instagram. He, he slid in my DM and he basically said, oh, wow. um, hey, I'm so-and-so. I've done X, Y, and Z. You ever think about acting? And as you can imagine, at that point in my career, I have already established myself. I was already a world champion. Um, I started taking mm-hmm. my boxing platform and using it for a, a voice for the voiceless, bringing, you know, just different awarenesses to missing murdered indigenous women, pipelines, and any kind of indigenous issues that I could shed some light on, which is every issue in the indigenous community that nobody knows about. And right. um, he had just, just like a lot of people, just been finding out about um, missing and murdered indigenous women um, movement in, in Canada and North America. And he kind of wrote, wrote a script based around that. And um, he just was really intrigued the fact that I was putting so much um, attention on it with my platform. Approached me on Instagram, got kind of got on the phone. He told me he had the script and I read it. It was cool. And then he asked me really early on to help him write the story because one thing about Joseph and he's a really good friend of mine that right right now. Um, he knew it was an important story just to tell, but he knew it wasn't his story to tell, which is really really cool. Um, and he just wanted mm-hmm. to get the perspective of of the community and. I just, I winged it. I, you know, he, he gave me a couple pointers. We practiced, we read the script, we wrote, we wrote it a ton of times. And, you know, I just took a crack at it and that was a pretty good swing at the first time. And it well, I'll just, say, yeah. just kind of unfolded from there, honestly. We worked together on, on True Detective season four, uh, which was out in Iceland. And I was taken away by the beauty of the land. I mean, it looks like an alien landscape. Can you tell us uh, what was your favorite thing about being on that land and anything that you took from it uh, that you really, really liked? It was such a beautiful, uh, to the eye place. Um, but the energy there, the, the the really intensely strong energy there in connection to nature and the pride that the people, lovely people have of their country. Um from you know the very difficult language that I still don't know after seven months of being there. <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful language, but the way they speak it is just the same way they always have, and it's, that's a beautiful thing. And I'm experiencing that part of the world that gets dark and light. And Northern Lights probably cliche as it sounds, probably one of my favorite parts <laughs> of that. I mean, it was just 
you know, they're yelling rolling and I'm looking at the sky like mesmerized. It was just so beautiful. And the people there, everything was just really, mm-hmm. really unexpectedly dope um, as we were there. I mean, it's we were there for work and I barely got enough time to do anything other than work. But for the times I did, I mean, the hot springs and nature there, the just the calmness, it was really beautiful. I would love my husband came every time and he was like, oh, can I come back? I'm like, yeah. Like, he's like, can we go there for New Year's? It was <laughs> It was so amazing. It was it was a all around really great experience. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I uh, I couldn't believe actually how much I had I had fallen. Like I think I, I had a lot of downtime myself in comparative to you because you were running a marathon. Um, yeah, you were so incredibly busy. I ended up uh, just on set falling in love with this little drink. They have a collab. I can't find it anywhere in Canada. Yes, I know. I'm missing right? my collabs, man. Oh my God. I know. It's got like that uh, college. They're not paying you or anything. I don't know. But I actually, it's funny because I, I brought a bunch back from Iceland because I was so addicted to it. I have one right here. Hang on. Listen to this. Oh God. I'm jealous. There we go. I just, so I just I'm hating. It <laughs> I'm hating, man. I miss, I miss, I miss Fenny. I miss everybody. I miss the collab. I miss everybody. It was such a oh. dope place yeah it really was i mean it's different when it becomes work i'm sure for you i mean having to be there day in day out what was it like working opposite jodie foster she has a lifetime an absolute lifetime of acting behind her she's like the joe frazier of of the acting world (laughs) and you and her going toe to toe um there was one moment where i was on set and i had i just come in for a hair test basically and of course set life for those that don't know sometimes you're there for ages i was i was on set for about i don't know five six hours just to get a look and someone looked at my my look and we're like okay cool but in that time i got to see you and jody doing the scene together and spoiler free of course but i mean it was the climax of the series and i remember looking over at uh svenny and uh we were looking at a monitor and just being amazed i i can't wait for people to see this um, but what, what's it like knowing that you're up against the heaviest of heavyweights and you are killing it? Um, you know what? I, me and my husband were just talking about this. Like, not to be cliche anymore, but I have to. Like, my back's against the rope. That's when I perform the best. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the creator wouldn't have thrown me into this, like, torpedoed me into this head first if, if they knew I couldn't handle it or they didn't know I... If, I had the capacity to figure this out. And mm. that's kind of what I've learned getting older. Like everything's temporary. We got to figure it out. It's a quote. The only other thing I know in Icelandic is that's which means hey, we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Like you're always <laughs> going to figure it out. You know what I mean? And I love that saying. That's probably the only thing I learned. It was, you know, I'm still trying to take the time to digest everything that transpired. Because number one, like when I got the call, I was like in the days, like I was like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, man (laughs) what am i getting into but it was it was it couldn't have been a better place and a better person to learn from if i'm going to learn this this is like being interested in boxing and then getting invited to like mike tyson's camp in 1986 when he was 18 about to fight for the the world title and like just sitting there and absorbing all that knowledge i mean she's an absolute wonderful person besides being an act she's so humble she's hilarious and it's very humbling and it was very awesome to see how interested she was in in how I do my thing and I'm like I'm winging it man this is just me taking a crack at it but she 
you know, was very generous with our time, her knowledge, and just to be able to watch her work and her element was such a blessing. I mean, it's like it was going like like going to school for this, and I didn't. So it was amazing, and the way she plays her character and my character is just was so perfect. And I can't thank her and the production enough to to get the opportunity to learn from everybody, not just Jody, but especially from her because we we have quite the mission in this show. So um, it was amazing. Wow. <laughs> and she's so friendly. And again, I, I mean, so small. She's such a tiny. I know. <laughs> no. I mean, I I had to uh, work out for this the, for this role uh, because I was uh, in various states of un- undress. Uh, you know, this again, spoiler free. Can't talk too much about it. But uh, Jody was so incredibly friendly, and I remember one of the highlights of my life just her coming up to me outside, slapping slapping my belly, and being like, "Hey, looking great, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it been. So cool. So down to earth. Yeah, absolutely. And and not just because she is very low to the ground, but uh, in, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and speaking of, I mean, we, you and I, we had to do, you know, that scene together. The scene is, it's, it's an intimate scene. Uh, how was that for you working up to that moment? Um, it was so nerve wracking. I probably, it's probably, I've never even been in a fight that I was so nervous about because again, I'm so new to this industry. Um, but the, a lot of the parallels from boxing to acting is the repetition of it, the paying attention, the being in the moment and have, just having to keep repeating so you learn better. Um, so the parallels with that, but leading up to those type of things, not knowing what to expect and then having this be such a big production. I was, I could have puked, honestly. And I just, you know, wanting to make sure that we're telling the story correctly, and especially me on that end. It, it was not even bad. And I got to give kudos to you. I probably will never have a scene partner in general like you. So I really thank you for your generosity and your patience. And it was just, it turned out to be fun, but I had no idea what to expect. So I was nervous as hell. You can ask Lee. I was so nervous. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was our, our acting coach. Um, yeah, we, we were both. I mean, I, I was, I was nervous as well, just because um, I was, I was just so impressed with you. I was, I was like, wow, you were so dedicated, committed, focused. And I just wanted to make sure that you were okay because I could see that uh, this was this was something that was nerve wracking in this scene. And I, I had never been fortunate enough to work with um, an intimacy coordinator as well. That was something I had never uh, experienced. What was that like for you working with someone like that, Lucy? Well, big shout out to Lucy. She's such, such a doll, such a, a kind hearted, caring person. Another Lucy fellow Virgo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was cool. I mean, it was um I only hear the, you know, the the myths of how it used to quote unquote used to be. Um, so not knowing and not experience how it used to be to what we have access to now, I think it should have been something that should have been in- implemented in the industry a long time ago. And I it's a lot of comfort. Um, you know, you know, we have a job to do, we have a story to tell, but to have somebody designated for the comfortability of you and be extra hyper vigilant and extra sensitive to what kind of scene it is, I think that's the best thing for the industry and sort of make sure everybody's good. Cause obviously it's such a weird thing to do. There's nothing there's nothing about it that's other than the, you know, whatever it is. Um, so it was really comforting to know that she was there if we forgot or if we didn't know how to not speak up, but if there was something that wasn't really what we agreed to kind of a thing. So it really felt, it's really comforting actually to have somebody like that there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, it's still relatively new in the industry and um, a lot of people are still 
learning the ropes around getting qualified to get into it because uh, it isn't universal at this point that I know of. Uh, there was a scene where I was just by myself, but I still had her in the room. And I appreciated that, even though mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't necessary for that because my comfort level was okay. I mean, I, you know, spoiler alert, but I wasn't actually naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had some skin color, uh, some things on when I was by myself in this, in this, in this room, but um, she was still there. And I, I just really appreciate that that's the, the type of caution that they're showing all of us yeah. as actors. Um, I mean, I've been, I've only been doing this for about a decade now, but even in that time, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of, of bad actors and, uh, you are not one. I, I learned the way that you learned how to get into fighting. I, I, I just got my butt handed to me a bunch of times and I learned not to make the same mistakes. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll teach you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, right now it is actually, it, it is, uh, indigenous people's month. Great, great, great month, favorite month of the year. Part of this is getting people to understand, though, the issues surrounding things like the missing and murdered Indigenous women's movement. And you're very active on this on your social media and everything. Uh, what would you want someone who doesn't know too much about this to know? And, and more importantly, what would you like people to actually step up and do? It's one of those things that... And Native people, Indian country, Indigenous, however you want to identify it, we know what goes on in our communities. We talk amongst ourselves, but that's the problem. And the problem comes from, you know, we can get into jurisdiction and law enforcement and the lack of, of funds or lack of law enforcement on reservations, but it happens on and off reservations. And basically, it's not just women. It's not just young women. It's it's young women. It's older women. It's boys. It's older boys. And it's something that's been happening to Indigenous peoples everywhere is just being targeted. And especially when you have these different reserves or these reservations and this secluded sovereign nation area where um, they only have 25 cops uh, for a reservation the size of Rhode Island, like Navajo Nation does, there's no policing, there's no backup. And then you get to the jurisdiction issue where if it's on tribal land, it's tribal police problems and we don't get the support of local or federal police. Um, And it's just something that does not get talked about. Like I know every indigenous person um that you speak to know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that went missing and it's yeah it's ridiculous how easy it is um to just find all these victims and then you get to the point where you know native families don't want to identify their loved ones as native for fear of them not being found or looked for um a lot of these times these women and these girls and these people are reported missing and you just get the response from law enforcement. Oh, she probably ran away. She's probably out drunk somewhere. Yeah, that's the the case, but that's where they're the most vulnerable. And then they turn up just a body. I mean, it's something that happens. It's ridiculous how much attention doesn't get put on this. And it's a movement where just have the conversations. I know awareness leads to change. Change leads to even more change. What I kind of, my goal to even bring in a, awareness to this epidemic is the more people know the more people are going to search the more people are going to talk about it the less people are going to be apt to do it if it's everywhere it's it's one of those things that it just doesn't make any sense and you know not to be corning quote of uh, a line from catch the fair one but no one's looking because nobody cares unfortunately that's so true for the indigenous community i mean indigenous women are 10 times more likely to experience violence in their life you know or that I believe murder is a secondly cause of death in the native and indigenous women, starting from the age of three. 
Mm. I mean, why, you know, why is that? With the leading in homelessness, drug addiction, depression, suicide, if the list goes on and on. And it has a lot to do with, you know, people talk about native people like we're dinosaurs. Like, oh, wow, you're Indian? I thought you guys were extinct. Like, dude, no, no, no. <laughs> like, it's, an, it's, it's crazy, you know, and then you get people, you live in a reservation? Like, no, I live in a house in the South Dilly. I grew up in the hood. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things that the everyday average person just, has no idea and it has to do with what they're being taught, what they're being taught in school, what they're being taught to in society. Um, yeah. So I just would ask people to, number one, know where you are, know the land and know who originally occupied the land that you were on. Mm -hmm. And um, allies, not native yeah. allies are our biggest asset right now, especially because you'll start having the conversation. This might lead to a discussion being brought up in, in the house. That's like, I think Washington right now, state of Washington is putting up like an actual MMIW alert. Um, I heard of this maybe months ago. All right. Yeah, that's that's great. And yeah, because I don't think that there are any of us, like you were saying, I mean, I know uh, in my family, it's been we've been personally affected. Um, and at even the very furthest indigenous people that I, I know, they at least know of someone. Um, so, yeah, this is something that's it's not going away tragically ever since colonization. It's it's been here. Mm -hmm. It's been happening. Um. But on that note of indigeneity, uh, you and I being mixed, uh, we had a few discussions on sometimes that feeling of um, being less than, um, and you being Afro-Indigenous, what has the world looked like growing up? And now, you know, you're going to be the, one of the biggest names, I'm just saying that now, in the Indigenous acting world by far. Uh, what has your connection to culture been um, when you feel sometimes like you're under the microscope when it comes to identity? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> no, it's a, but no, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, you know, it's even like back to my childhood where I come from a family of, especially being from the Northeast Woodland tribes of, you know, still trying to reconnect, gather ourselves from centuries of, you know, trying to take us out. We've come from first contact tribes. I mean, we held off them settlers for like four or 500 years before they went West. So it was a lot of work. You know what I mean? Shout out to all my ancestors who did all the work. <laughs> yep, yep. But, um, you know, I didn't grow, I grew up in a household where I am like pretty much this, the first generation woman, at least from my line and my tribe, um, at least with my grandmother, great grandmother, my line, did grow up as just a mixed indigenous woman. I didn't, that's how I got raised. And my mother um, was more into culture right before I was born. And then she just brought me up into it. As she learned, I was taught. And it was just like, oh, this is what we do. This is what I am. But then it's like, you don't look native and i'm like i look like exactly like my cousins and all the other tribes natives look around here that's the one mm -hmm. thing about mm -hmm. the word indigenous that i would love to get through people's heads do not compare native or any kind of ethnic group to only look one certain way that's another mm -hmm. thing as far as identity like my people come from the coast we were next to salt water our hair is not going to be bone straight black blown in the wind it's going to be kinky curly number one secondly Every indigenous area of group or area of people, family, tribe, nation, they're indigenous to their land, their people, their families. It doesn't mean that we're all going to look alike. That's one thing that was probably one of my pet peeves. And I'm like, what does it mean to look native? Like, can you please tell me what, what that means? And then to top it all off, to be mixed with Cape Verdean, which is, that's an argument. It's a whole other podcast, but it's basically <laughs> African and Portuguese. Anyway, people don't know what I am. So just to try to find my footing 
um, you know, I'm not native enough for natives because I look different because I'm mixed with black. So I got curly hair. I got freckles. My skin's a little dark, whatever it is. I just I'm di different, which I'm very proud of. And then I'm not Cape Verdean enough for the Cape Verdeans. I don't speak it. I don't cook. I didn't grow up in a Cape Verdean household like that. I know where I'm from. I know where my, my family's from, but that's about it. So it was one of those not enough for anybody. And I was so busy trying to fit in a box where I wasted a lot of time. But it's, I know now that I just, I, I belong in my own little star-shaped box. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to fit in that stupid little circle. I want to be a star. Right. I want to do a circle. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't easy. I mean, it's between that and then coming from a household where religion played a key part in my mom's life and me being two spirit was just it was all confusing. Hence the reason why I found boxing. But um, that outlet of really expressing myself um, through, you know, my art of boxing really helped me. And now there was a point in time where I was almost ashamed of being Cape Verdean because I associated being Cape Verdean with my father and I had a real tough Tough time with him, God rest his soul. Um, early in the years, teenage years, it was just, you know, my parents got divorced when I was about four and it was just in and out. So I thought that was my fault. I thought I wasn't enough for natives, the Cape Verdeans. It was just really hard to find my footing. Um, but finding finding an outlet helps. And then when I really understood my purpose in that ring, besides the whole fighting part, um, spiritual, energetically, and doing what you know, God-given talent, the creative-given talent that I have in fighting and battle, it's my time to pray in there. You know, we mm -hmm. can't tell anybody what their medicine is. Um, if that's my medicine, that's my medicine. The energy yeah. don't lie. Eloquently put, I, I love that. Um, and for people that, and if there's anyone out there listening, which I doubt wouldn't know what two-spirit means, but just in case they don't, uh, can you explain what, what that is? Sure. I mean, there's, um, if you speak to indigenous people, I don't think there's a universal, um, meaning other than special, you know, especially we hold both energies, um, hundred percent for me, it's a hundred percent comfortable in my masculine energy, hundred percent comfortable in my feminine energy. I have a ton of energy. I have a ton of female energy. I have a ton of male energy and I just am comfortable in either or, um, that's what it means to me. That's awesome. Well, whatever, uh, people may question or when it comes to fame because there's a lot of online online issues i know that uh, i struggled a lot with uh, suddenly my career taking a turn and being cast as a cartoon character and a real life version of a cartoon character who's native and then being like where who's this guy where um mm -hmm. yeah how do you deal with online comments um hate what what is what is fame when people are judging you for various things be it two-spirit be it mixed uh how do you get that off your back you know, it's one of those things where, especially so social media, it's like a, a necessary evil. Um, it has its pros and cons. You know, I get to link up with a lot of people I wouldn't have necessarily met up with or met or had links to because of it. But, you know, just for everybody out there, social media is a fake world. It's not a real world. Oh, <laughs> when you start getting emotionally involved in comments, that's when it's time to just shut it down. We all do it. Um, But I, you know, especially with getting into this new found career I have, you know, the more more success you have, the more enemies, the more hate you have to try to disrupt it. And I had recently had an issue um, with, I had a whole Facebook page. <laughs> You'll laugh at this. We can all laugh at this. <laughs> Ded dedicated to me being a quote unquote pretendian. And I, and this, this woman, oh, no. it's, oh, I, I will, oh, I will no. say, oh yeah, man. Oh, so oh. when I got cast in Wind River 2, it was me and Gail Birmingham uh, that, that she was attacking saying um, I was, 
I was was playing Red Face and I was taking jobs away from real natives because I'm not a real American Indian. And there's plenty of a quote unquote American Indian actors out there that need to get these parts. Like she just went in. She went hard in the paint, Kobe Bryant, man. It was like, I was like, wow. (laughs) So there, I just, I'm discovering, and I already knew this, especially with boxing, that the more success you have, the more people are going to come to try to destroy it. And I'm learning. It's just don't engage with it. Hey, well, that's a very good way of actually dealing with it. Um, Because you're right. It is all, it is all fake. Um, Instagram, all of that stuff online i mean but it you know initially i i let a little bit of that get to me too because i hadn't had to deal with that kind of thing now but you've got a lifetime now of, of fighting and and right now you're a supernova uh exploding at the moment yeah right so um <laughs> on that note too of of um instagram um you often send messages on there it seems to be to your younger self i mean what is what what are some of those that you would like to share with your younger self from this moment going through this process of just learning so much about myself and you know also playing a different person makes you see different things in characters now that I'm noticing you can pull different things out of yourself to add a little sprinkle into your character to create this person to express and to work through things it's like therapeutic as hell um and I would definitely you know tell my younger self I always have messages for her like you know it's not your fault is exactly what I needed to hear and you are worth so so much you're worthy of being loved you're worthy to to love and you're you're worthy it's top like most of all of success which i think that's something that hits a lot of us is that we get scared of that success um because you think it's not worth it or we're not worth it um mm. especially being an indigenous woman like there's just that that common that common somber energy that you feel like as an indigenous woman that i, I understand much better now that it's just because we've kind of been groomed and kind of feel like we're worthless. And then what goes back to MIW, these women, these men, these children, these boys, these girls are just walking around feeling worthless. And I'm sure that whoever's preying on these women and, and men can see that, sense it. You know what I mean? So just know that you are worth, you're worthy of love and you're worth so much. And I hope, I've heard this quote, maybe not verbatim, but I hope that, Things that you couldn't even imagine, that you can't dream of, that you can't see, I hope you accomplish that because I could never see where I'm at now. I had little goals, but I overshot this by miles, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just always being in a in a, a mental state of learning, of wonder, of exploring. And there's, don't put a ceiling on your knowledge. Don't put a ceiling on um, what you're capable of. And welcome failure because you're going to fall down about 19 as long as you get up up on that 20. It's, you're good. Just keep keep moving. Everything's in motion it's like water and um good yeah. things will happen yeah yeah <laughs> and also um i think it's it's important too you know just don't uh don't live your life in the in comparison i mean that's what i always that's what i always struggled with when i was younger is just looking at the success of um other people but everybody's everybody's different everyone's got their path but just be tenacious one thing i really learned was from jody and just from being on there and because i'm such a perfectionist is don't take everything so seriously. Have fun with it. You know, we were telling a dark story and forget about the last take, man. Just forget about the last take and just be mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. Deal with what is right in front of you because don't worry about what you did. It's over. Don't matter. Don't look at what you think's going to happen because it could change and don't have expectations. Just go and work off of 
what's going on right in front of you. Oh, that is, uh, I, I completely agree. And it was an absolute honor to be able to uh, be opposite you in scenes. I mean, I was, I just was absolutely amazed with what we were accomplishing there, but I wanted to switch gears now because uh, I want to give you a chance to give a, a shout out because I'm rolling out the red, red carpet. And I want to know what are you watching? What indigenous shows are out there that you recommend to other people to go check out at this moment? This moment, a reservation dog is killing them. Yeah. Killing them. Um, <laughs> Rutherford's Falls is pretty cool, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got Spirit Hunters. I haven't watched that yet, but, you know, shout out to everybody doing that. Um, you know, we have... We have a bunch of comedians that are hilarious right now, but those two shows for sure. Awesome. Um, uh, there's just so much, so much talent right now. Um, but there's been talent. We're just, we're just coming out right now. You know what I mean? Into the public eye, but I'm so happy to see um, our humor. I could appreciate Reservation Dogs so much because it's not a Western with 19, oh, no. 18, 1800s. And then, you know, the Southwest Plains natives are getting slaughtered. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah, yeah. it is us. It is us today. And mm -hmm. we're freaking hilarious. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so <laughs> laughter is so important. It's such good medicine. And it's, dude, just check it out. It's hilarious, man. Ah, uh, that way. I, I want to know, um, are there any allies out there? Is there an ally out there specifically? You want to, you want to point that and say, hey, they're a real one. I mean, Jody was an ally, man. She, yes. she's, she's a, that's the homie, yo. That's the homie. <laughs> and I mean, um, Princess Johnson. She was in uh, Tagnak. I just got her last name. The two um, Alaskan producers that we had on True Detective. Shout out to both of them, man, for holding it down and making sure that we told that story the correct way. Because you know we're representing a group of people, not only indigenous but Alaskan natives. Is that's a whole nother layer of non representation that's out there. So big shout out and. To Butney, thank you for every all uh, NUPAC um, and, and the entire, even um, our Greenlandic natives that came over and, you know, just being able to represent them. You know, I was an artist to be able to represent them. Um, you don't have to be Indigenous to support Indigenous issues as far as getting the word out um, and getting us to tell our stories. That's really important to tell our stories from our narratives. And um, we, we, we're the only ones that can tell our stories correctly. Before we uh, wrap this up, is there anything else that you wanted to to add before we uh, take off from here? No, man. I just I'm I'm really humbled and honored to be getting these opportunities to not only you know be telling indigenous stories, but also to be an indigenous, mixed indigenous, Afro indigenous, black native, black Indian, blendian, however you want to identify it. <laughs> um, N.K. Verdian being on the screen and having a face that looks like mine, hair that looks like mine, background that is mine, be on the big screen for our future generations. Because I didn't grow up seeing me, you know, on the screen or in a boxing ring at, at all. Like, well, who's that? You know what I mean? I, so that's just something that I am. It's never me. It's always we. If, if I'm successful, then we're all successful. That is, that is good to hear. I'm so happy for your successes. I can't wait to see uh, more of the stuff that you're in because I know that this is going to be amazing when we actually get to see us on on screen. Uh, and, you know, we are native. Being native is dope. Uh, thank you very much, Kaylee Reese. I appreciate you. Ego say thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time.
This show was created, hosted, produced by me, Joel Diamantre. Audio production was done by Daniela Barreto. And while we've got you here, why don't you check out our friends at the BIPOC Credits Podcast? They have a free film industry newsletter that has resources for everyone to check out. Just look for them in our show notes.